Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And what is going on, everybody? My name uh, is Aaron Arroyan, and welcome back to the AKN Sports Podcast on this uh, Friday, uh, January 27th, 2023. You know, it's probably a first that we've seen... Both Boston teams lose some pretty ugly ones. Yeah. Not expecting that. Not expecting that. We've been pretty damn spoiled in terms of outcomes this season for, you know, a good amount. Pretty damn spoiled here in Boston. But, yes, the uh, Celtics and Bruins both lost last night. I I mean, (laughs) it's really tough to say. I mean, I I can tell you which one was worse and that the Celtics' loss was significantly worse just in terms of the competition and, you know. Things are going to happen. But uh, obviously we're approaching Conference Championship Sunday. Uh, I'm going to touch into that later on. Um, not exactly sure if I'm able to get Kev on. So. And again, it's just you know two games, so I might just you know kind of give my predictions on here and call it a day. But anyway, trying to think about who I should start with. I want to start off with the Celtics because this, was, this is a game that I, I thought was... was was really was really bad. So if you missed it last night, the Celtics lost in overtime to the Knicks, one twenty to one seventeen. Now, obviously, we know the Celtics have been in a little bit of a cool down lately. This is now the second time they've lost three games in a row, and they now sit at probably the. I think they're sitting at their worst point in the season. Now I know they lost three in a row back in like, you know, the beginning of the beginning of January, going into January. And they were able to pick themselves up, stay relatively healthy. And I don't think there's a coincidence there when, you know, you see the defensive numbers of this team plummet with the loss of Marcus Smart for an exceptional amount of time. So, first of all, um, you let Julius Randle drop 37. Now, obviously, I I watched a good chunk of this game. And, you know, obviously, everybody's going to talk about the missed free throws from Jalen Brown and how the Celtics handled things in overtime. But Julius Randle dropped 37. And listen, I, nothing but respect for Julius Randle. He's had a solid season. But that could have been... I mean, that was honestly one of the worst defensive games against a single player I've ever, I've seen the entire season for the Celtics. Julius Randle was hitting pull-up jumper after pull-up jumper, fadeaway jumper after fadeaway jumper, posterized Jalen Brown, or excuse me, Al Horford. There was zero answer for Julius Randle. That's kind of the bottom line right there. There was no answer for Julius Randle in this game. And on top of that... You know, you did make a comeback. You did make things a little interesting, right? They, they were down 13 late in the fourth. They made it a game. They forced overtime. And and then, you know, Jalen Brown missed those two free throws. Yeah, I mean, 
that's inexcusable, and I think that's a very rare occurrence. And yeah, I mean, I, that, I thought that was that was very shocking to see Jalen Brown miss those two free throws. I mean, yes, I know, you know, the last couple of years free throw, free, you know, free throws have not been much in the favor of of Jalen Brown. But I hate to bring up that play. I hate to bring up, you know, a case of of two free throws depending on, you know, the outcome of a game against the freaking Knicks. And the fact that you still let, you know, Julius Randle drop almost 40 on you guys. So they had no answer for him. It was just a, it was a pathetic game. Like, yes, if they if they squeezed out and won this game, I still think it would have a bad taste in your mouth. You know, they were down by 13, forced overtime. They took a five-point lead in overtime because Tatum took over, right? As soon as they were trailing, the aggressiveness of Joe Missoula, putting the ball in Tatum's hands. The Knicks really didn't have an answer for, for Tatum in this game. And, you know, we'll talk more about the All-Star starters as we did get some news on that, I think, prior to this game. So yeah, I mean, if you basically watched overtime in, in the in the late fourth quarter, it was basically Jason Tatum versus Julius Randle. But Randle got the last laugh at the end of the day. And, you know, the game ceiling shot came from R.J. Barrett, which is, you know, kind of sucks because R.J. Barrett, you know, you go back to last January when R.J. Barrett hit that game winner on us that switched our season around. Even though I think he sucks, and I think this Knicks team isn't going anywhere, you, you can't convince me otherwise. This team is not great. Yeah, okay, they're, they're, maybe they're better than last year's Knicks team. Maybe they are. Yeah, all right. You, you know, you you paying Julie, You know, you're paying Jalen Brunson a lot of big money. Maybe they are a little bit better. Um, but I mean, 37 from Randall is is purely inexcusable, and you know, there are a lot of tough opportunities here. But you know, it was basically him and and, and Jalen Brunson who who did kind of cool off in the fourth quarter and in overtime. I mean, Jalen Brunson dropped uh, 29 for the Knicks. You know, 12 of 25 shooting, two of six from downtown. Did have seven assists, and then. Somehow, Emmanuel Quickly, who also went hot from downtown at one point, Emmanuel Quickly dropped 17 off the bench. So, I mean, yeah, the bottom line was Julius Randle was just dominating in the paint. There was no defensive answer for him there. This is where you can maybe sit back and, and think to yourselves, you know, this is kind of a combination of a couple things, right? This Celtics team has not been, you know, known. I mean, they're still the best team in the NBA record-wise. This Celtics team is not being looked at the same way as the Celtics we saw last spring. The Celtics we saw in the spring of last year not only turned their their scoring margin around, they were top-of-the-line best defensive team in the NBA. Hands down, not even a debate. This Celtics team in the last 10 games or so has been ranked one of the bottom defenses in the league. And yes, you did lose Marcus Smart, your reigning defensive player of the year, for a couple of games. But... What you're witnessing right now, what you've kind of witnessed in this stretch, what you've kind of witnessed this season, and it's tough saying that because they still have, you know, the best record in the Eastern Conference, you can seriously tell that the loss of Ime Udoka has played quite a role in the discipline and the defensive outcome of this team. It's so plainly obvious. I know every year is different, every season is going to be different, but there's no way in hell last year's Celtics team... And under the influence of Ime Udoka, you're letting Julius freaking Randle drop 37 on your ass. You're letting Randle drop 37 on you and Jalen Brunson drop 29 on you. That's pathetic. That was a pathetic game. That was honestly one of the worst games they've played all season long. You know, it's not all about the scoring margin. You know, not only did you have to crawl out a couple holes, because bear in mind, they were up. Like, I watched the start of this game. I didn't watch the second and third quarter. They were dominating in the first quarter. Now, you know, you watch an NBA game, the first, like, five minutes of a game doesn't really matter at all. It's just kind of setting the tone that doesn't really matter at all. So, yeah, I mean, this this was this was a tough one to watch. I mean, Tatum obviously got all the credit. I mean, he dropped 35. You know, Tatum did everything he could. But it was kind of disappointing from everyone else, right? I mean, listen, I thought 
Brogdon did a great job, you know, creating second chance opportunities. I'm pretty sure the Celtics had about 22, 23 plus uh, second chance points. They, they, I think they destroyed the Knicks in terms of uh, second chance points in this game. Um, so he kept you alive, but Jalen Brown missing those free throws. This was a bad game for him. Because not only did he miss those two free throws, I mean, he dropped 22, but 8 of 22 from the field and 1 of 8 from downtown is terrible. So that was a, that was a pathetic game from Jalen Brown. So you want to talk about, you know, your defensive performance against Brunson and, and Randall. Jalen Brown played like absolute dog crap. 22 points from him on 1 of 8 from downtown, 8 of 22 shooting is, is pathetic. Um... So you, you played a little bit bigger in this lineup. I mean, scoring-wise, you didn't get a ton from Rob Will and Horford. I mean, they combined for about 14. White dropped 15. The bench didn't do as much as you wanted to. You're kind of making more, you know, rotational minutes with Pritchard and, and Hauser. But, uh, yeah, this team's really going to have to find something. You know, it's the first, second time they've lost three in a row this year. You're seeing a little bit of a decline here at the defensive uh, outcome. And, you know, the loss of Smart is not playing a role in that. But this team's really going to find something here. And right now, you're kind of seeing a heavy, heavy reliance on Tatum's scoring ability. The Knicks are not a good team. Like, I honestly... Listen, OKC is a more respectable team than, than New York. OKC is far more exceptional. I mean, I'm not saying you should be on the same playing field or the same skill level of teams like OKC or New York at this point in the season. But I would rather see a guy like Shea Gilles Alexander, who's been averaging 30-plus a year, dominate in a game or two than, you know, see... This overrated, horrible Knicks team, you know, you know, let, let someone drop 37 on your ass. So, that was a pathetic game. I mean, you know, you shot 41%. I know you made the comeback. You had the lead in overtime. You didn't deserve to win this game. This was a sloppy, sloppy, sloppy game from them. This Knicks team is pathetic. Like, listen, I haven't got a chance to watch this Knicks team a lot. I mean, yes, I, still, I think Randall is a solid player. But management-wise, the Knicks have awful young guys. I think, there's, I think they suck. I think this team is terrible. No, no, like, I'm looking at this Knicks team. This Knicks team is terrible. This team is not good. Like, you're overpaid Jalen Brunson. You overhyped the hell out of Julius Randle. And you're convinced that some of these young guys that you got are, like, potential all-stars. Like, they're holding on to R.J. Barrett for dear life. You know? Jericho Sims. Yeah, the guy can make some good defensive plays. I mean, Obi Toppin sucks. This kid was a late, like, a very, very high pick. Isaiah Hartenstein blows, too. This team sucks. This team is not good. So, do as you wish. So with that, I mean, the Celtics are 35-15. and 15. Knicks are 27-23. This Knicks team is not going anywhere. You can, tell, you can listen to this now. They, this team is not going anywhere. Alright, this team sucks. This team is not good. I mean, I look at this more from the Celtics really just played a pathetic game. They played pathetic in this game. So, they got the chance tomorrow night, though. Pretty uh, pretty big one against the Lakers, I'll say. So, tough one there for the Celtics. And it was also a tough one for the Bruins. Because last night they went down to Tampa Bay. And uh, their win streak came to an end. Lost uh, 3-2 to the Lightning. Now, listen. Um, this was also kind of a frustrating game to watch. Because, you know, defensively, I thought this was a very poor game. Uh, more particularly on Brandon Carlo. But, <sighs> listen. I mean, you're 2-1 against Tampa this year. I, I don't really like to look at regular season series. Because I just don't think that matters, period, in hockey. But, um... Like, I, I hate this team. I, I, like, I literally witnessed, you know, two of some of my least favorite teams win last night. The Knicks and the Lightning. I, I hate the Lightning with a passion. Now, Vaz played a great game. Like, Vaz looked like Vesna Trophy winning Andre Vasilevsky. This guy made some crazy saves in the later portion of this game. The Bruins picked up their high momentum in the third period. You know, I mean, like, it wasn't a bad loss for the Bruins. 
I was also very frustrated because the second goal they scored, I thought should not have counted. So that did win what I think was a nine-game win streak for the for the Bruins. But um, again, it was just a few minutes into the game where you know the Bruins were playing very undisciplined, sloppy hockey in the first period, and it was Brandon Hagel who scored his 19th of the year on a power play. I don't know who the hell was on him here. I remember watching this goal live. I think you know Lightning had a possession of it in the opposing zone on a power play. Hagel was just uncovered in the crease, and it was just an impossible save for Allmark to make. So one nothing Tampa. But then after that, man, Marshawn drilled with it in here, man. Marshawn drilled one, beautiful shot, scored his uh, 16th of the year to tie the game at one, by the way. So now you're looking, all right, this is what the Bruins do. But then in the third, um, I think it was right off the faceoff, Braden Point just slapped it in there. Um, this goal should not have, have uh, was it Braden Point? Or was it, I thought it was Kucherov. I guess not. I thought it was Kucherov, but it's, they're crediting Braden Point. But uh, yeah, so this is the goal that should not have counted. What happened was the game was tied. It was a, a, a face-off in the lightning zone. And I think I think it was Braden Point that went like at least a full second and a half early on the face-off, which caught everybody off guard. And then I think it was Braden Point or Kucherov just slapped it in there. I mean, Kucherov's got a bomb. And that gave the Lightning the lead after that. They, they, that goal should not have happened. That goal should, that goal should not have counted. That was terrible. But then after that, the Bruins again, high momentum. Pavel Zaka, who's been picking it up lately, man. This guy has scored a crap ton since that extension. Pavel Zaka... Scored his ninth of the year to tie the game at two. But then, with about seven minutes left, again, poor coverage in the neutral zone. Victor Hedman just blasted one in there to score his... It's just his third of the year. I mean, he's a defenseman. So, that gave the Lightning the lead. And, again, the Bruins had many opportunities after that. But Vaz made some clutch saves. And the Bruins' win streak came to an end. So, I, I can't even say... First off, Allmark made some great saves in this game. The, the guy is still hands down, hands down the best goal in the game. I just thought, you know... Defensively, this was a very poor game. Not setting the tone in the first period played a role. But all the fingers are pointed towards Brandon Carlo because he was kind of responsible for at least two of those goals. At least one of them. So, But uh, yeah, I'd say player of the game. I mean, Nikita Kucherov had three assists, man. Nikita Kucherov was credited on literally everything. And then Vaz with 37 saves was also incredible too. But uh, yeah, so with that, the Bruins are now uh, 38-6-4. And, and the Lightning are 31-15-1, which is still insane because the Bruins are still... Uh, they didn't get a point, unfortunately, out of that game, but, you know, still sitting at 80 points. Tampa Bay's, I mean, Tampa's still 17 points behind them, which is kind of insane, but tough one there for the Bruins. So, not the night that we wanted last night. Um, in terms of the NBA, other NBA games from last night, I do want to go over the um, the All-Stars, as, you know, we saw that. But outside of the uh, Knicks game, we saw the Pistons beat the Nets. Yeah, the Pistons with a nice one over the Nets, 131-22, because even though Kyrie dropped 40 in this game, Kyrie looked unstoppable. Sadiq Bey had 28, 25, sorry, 25 from Sadiq Bey on, on 10 of 19. So the Pistons are 13-37. and 37. Nets are 29-19. And then we saw the Hornets get a good one over the Bulls. Yeah, the, the Bulls are a mess, 111-96. Terry Rozier and DeRozan drop, both dropped 28. But De- Terry Rozier, 28, 9 of 19. He was fantastic. Hornets are 14 and 36. I think this is Lamella left this game. I think there was a clip of Lamella like leaving this game with his gold Ferrari and almost got into an accident. But Bulls are 22 and 26. The Cavs beat the Rockets. No shocker there. 11395. Uh Darius Garland dropped 26. He just looked great, man. 26 from Darius Garland on uh 9 of 16 shooting. So the Cavs are 30 and 20. And the Rockets are 11 and 38. Uh the Mavs barely squeaked by the Suns, 99-95. Uh, how about Spencer Dinwiddie? This was not a Luka game. This was a Spencer Dinwiddie game. 36 points from Dinwiddie on 10 of 18. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that at all. So the Mavs are now 26 and 24. Suns are 25 and 25. 
And then the Clippers blew out the Spurs, man. Absolutely destroyed them. 138-100 to because Paul George dropped 35 on 14-19 shooting. So the Clippers... 27 and 24, Spurs are 14 and 35. So that's how the NBA went last night. And then for the NHL last night, outside of the Bruins, we had the Red Wings beat the Habs in overtime. 4 to 3. Um yeah, I mean Raphael Harvey Pinard had, you know, two goals and assists for Montreal, but the OT winner came from Fabry. So good win there for the Red Wings. Caps beat the Penguins in a shootout. Um, Darcy, I mean, both Darcy Kemper and Casey Desmond played great. Casey Desmond had 43, but De- Kemper had 35 saves. So it was a great goalie battle right there. Uh, the F- Wild beat the Flyers in, a sh- in overtime. It's just been a dreadful year for the Flyers, man. Uh, Boldy ended up playing really great. I think Michael Boldy had two goals and assists. Mike Zuccarello had the OT winner for the Wild. Uh, the Predators beat the Devils 6-4, man. Another great one right here. Mike Duch- Matt Duchesne with a goal and an assist. Uh, so he played a great game. Sabres beat the Jets 3-2. Um, again, Tage Thompson scores like every game. A goal and assist for Tage Thompson. Jeff Skinner with two assists. Uh, the Coyotes shut out the Blues. How about that, man? 5 nothing shut out win because somehow Nick Schmaltz had a hat-trick. Yeah, Nick Schmaltz with a hat-trick and then Vahelmuka had 33 saves. I don't get the Coyotes. I don't get this team. I don't get them at all. Blackhawks flamed the Flames 5-1. to Yeah, I don't get that either. Somehow, Jackson Stauber... Had a 34 saves for the Blackhawks. I, I, again, I had no clue who the hell he was. Um, and then the Ducks beat the Avalanche 5-3. Another crazy one. Frank Vetrano had a hattie. Frank Vetrano had a freaking hat trick for the Ducks. So that is how the NHL went last night. And then for the NBA right now, we've got the Bucks are up 11 on the Pacers in the late in the first. And then we got the 25-25 uh, and 25 Wolves hosting the 31-17 Grizzlies on NBA TV. Uh, that's 27 and 22 Heat host the 19 and 29 Magic. The 23 and 25 Thunder host the 30 and 20 Cavs, and the 24 and 24 Warriors host the 22 and 27 Raptors to finish off the night. And then for the NHL, right now we've got the uh, Sharks up one nothing on the Canes in the first. Canes up one nothing on the Panthers in the first. Uh, Red Wings and Islanders scoreless right now in the first on ESPN. Golden Knights and Rangers scoreless on the ESP, uh, uh, first quarter, first period. The uh, Leafs and Senators are tied at one in the first. And at 8.30, we've got the 28-13-9 Stars host the 31-13-4 Devils. The 28-14-5 Kraken host the 23-17-9 Flames. And the 19-26-3 Canucks hosting the 15-30-3 Blue Jackets. So that is, uh, you know, that's what the uh, NBA and NHL is looking like for tonight. So there you go. Um, in terms of NFL news, again, kind of a quiet day, kind of a quiet day. Uh, we did see some more interviews across the league in terms of coaching. The Chargers apparently announced that they interviewed, uh, Titans tight ends coach, uh, Luke Steckel for their OC job. Now I know everybody hated Jim, uh, 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 what's his face? My, uh, what, what was this guy's name? J- Jim Lombardi, John Lombardi, something Lombardi. But, uh, yeah, Luke Steckel. Another kind of an odd position that you want there. I mean, I know that the Titans, you know, went last year with, you know, Austin Hooper and the year before that with, like, a bunch of different guys. So, but, uh, yeah, Steckel, who's, you know, 37, he was a Titans tight ends coach for the last two years. Um, and before that, he was their offensive assistant. So, he didn't even work during the John Smith era. But uh, the Rams found their new offensive coordinator. So, the, the Rams decided to hire Mike LaFleur to be their new offensive coordinator. So, Mike LaFleur, who was just previously the Jets... Offensive coordinator, so you want to talk about a real downgrade, and bear in mind that the Rams obviously had a disastrous year offensively, and I understand there was injuries there with, you know, Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. I know the injuries played a big role there, but at the same time, 
you're talking about a guy that, that had a disastrous year offensively too with the Jets. So, but uh, I mean, it's kind of tough because I know you know they missed Kevin O'Connell. They really missed Kevin O'Connell because you obviously know Kevin O'Connell went to the Vikings and you know had himself a pretty solid season there. But yeah, Mike Lafleur. I mean, just a little background on him. He spent you know he was only there for two years in New York. He was only in New York for two years. And that was his first time kind of having a solidified role because before that, he was a, he, you know, he worked with Jimmy G as the passing game coordinator in San Fran, and he was just in San Fran for a while. So his time with the Jets was like his first time there, but it's also kind of tough there with a young quarterback that wasn't living up to the potential of Zach Wilson. So I don't think it's a bad fit, but, um, you know, is, is Mike LaFleur as bad of a hiring as, you know, the Jets bringing in Nathaniel Hackett? I don't know. They're both up there, so... Rams got a new offensive coordinator. Uh, the Bengals did rule out a few guys for their AFC title game match, but the Bengals have now ruled out two of their starting linemen. They ruled out Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa. So that's, again, and Lael Collins is out for the year. So that is three starting linemen out for this game, and that's the one lesson that the, that the Bengals learned heavily after losing to the Rams in the Super Bowl last year. That's bad. That's tough, man. You already know Spagnuolo is going to be bringing the heat with Chris Jones and Frank Clark in that game. I feel bad. I'm praying for Joe Burrow. I'm praying for him in this game. Um, and apparently D'Amico Ryans has now emerged as a top candidate to become the Texans' new coach. So D'Amico Ryans, of course, who is the Niners' defensive coordinator. i got to tell you, man, my, uh, John Lynch has done a great job in terms of uh, developing great coaches here. Because bear in mind, before D'Amico Ryans, it was it was Robert Sala looking at him in New York. And then a year or two later, boom, D'Amico Ryans has been hyped up. So this guy has got something going. And this would, this would be a great hiring. Like, it's also tough... Because the Texans haven't, I mean, it's, I hate to say this, they haven't had a legitimate coach since Bill O'Brien. Like, and I mean, quote-unquote, legitimate coach. And, uh, but D'Amico Ryan's, if they can, if they can, you know, if he decides to go there, would be, would be something. Uh, and the Bucks also announced that they did, in fact, interview uh, Bengals quarterbacks coach Dan Pitcher for their OC job. So remember, they interviewed McCardle, the Vikings offensive coordinator, or, sorry, the Vikings receiving coach. But uh, Dan Pitcher, yeah, so the Bengals QB coach has been working with, uh, you know, Joe Burrow the last couple of years. So, hey, we'll see if they can seal that one. And the Falcons just found their new defensive coordinator. So, uh, of course, Dean Pease, who announced his retirement. The uh, Falcons apparently just hired Saints, former Saints co-defensive coordinator uh, and their D-line coach, Ryan Nielsen, to be their new defensive coordinator. So, of course, Nielsen has gotten to work with some talented guys in New Orleans. I mean, you know, Atlanta's defense has kind of been pathetic the last few years. I mean, I would even say their defense was pathetic when they went to the Super Bowl in 2016. Oh, my God. So, hey, I mean, tough to say. And a lot of people don't like this. A lot of people are, are really shitting on that. But Yeah, a lot of people aren't happy about that. So that is um, what's going on around the NFL. I think the Patriots also brought another guy for interview as well. Um, a former Patriot uh, for the offensive line um, role. I just want to double check on who that was. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No so, the Patriots apparently did interview a former lineman of theirs to apparently uh, fill in for the... Because currently their, their, their O-line coach is, is, is vacant. 
Ryan Wendell. So if you're a true Patriot fan, you might remember this guy's name. Wendell was a uh, lineman for the Pats for, for almost seven years, by the way. Uh, Ryan Wendell played from 08 all the way through 2015 with us, and he did win a Super Bowl with us. He was our starting guard when we beat Seattle. And he was a guy that I just kind of forgot about. Like, there's guys like him, guys like Dan Connell. Like, there's these linemen that you just completely forget about. But uh, apparently Ryan Wendell was serving as the assistant line coach for the Bills the last four years. So if they can maybe bring in, you know, and you know the fact that Wendell got to work with Belichick and Bill O'Brien for quite a few years, would be pretty cool to see him come in. So, hey, you never know anymore. You never know anymore. So, tough to say. Tough to say. But, uh, yeah, um, I do want to talk about the other news because last night we did, in fact, get the starting lineups for the 2023 NBA All-Star Game and you know, a little couple surprises that I did get to see. Couple, couple of interesting surprises. But uh, yeah, so the Western Conference All Stars include Steph Curry, Luka Doncic, LeBron, Zion, and Nikola Jokic. So that's pretty crazy. Um, so I think my only thing is the fact that Shade didn't get a starter is is absolutely insane. This is where you say. The like the 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 legacy bias is there, like Jokic. I mean, all the guys that make sense, right? Luca. Jo- I think the ones that like totally make sense are Luca, LeBron, and Jokic. I think Zion and Steph are a little bit or kind of whack. I understand Steph has received a lot of credibility because of how dominant he's been, won a championship last season. But bear in mind, Steph and Zion haven't played a lot this year. How is Shea not on this list? Shea has gotten over, he's averaging, if you're averaging over 30 a game consistently for that crappy of a team, you better, you, you should be a starter. Especially over Steph or Zion. Um, yeah. And I mean, Zion is also, I'm a little bit more shocked that Zion became a starter. I mean, Zion's had a good year, but dude, he, he has, I don't know how many games Zion's played this year. You're telling me Zion, for playing maybe about 60% of the year, maybe? I, I bottom line has to be, can't be more than 60, maybe 65, 70% of the season. He's a starter? I mean, first off, Luka's been dominant. He's arguably the MVP. Jokic is arguably the MVP. LeBron has been dropping 30. LeBron's playing better than he has the last couple of years. Like, I'm saying this might be the best year LeBron has played as a Laker. I I think this has been. I think this is LeBron's best year as a Laker so far. I hate to say it. Because a lot of people, I gave more credit to Anthony Davis when they won the championship. The bubble championship. The the Mickey Mouse championship. So that is your Western Conference All-Star starter. Steph Curry... LeBron, Luka, Zion, and Jokic. That's a crazy one. And then your Eastern Conference All-Star starters include Kyrie, Donovan Mitchell, KD, Giannis, and Jason Tatum. So no shocker there. Our boy Jason Tatum becoming a starter. I'm not sure exactly the last uh, All-Star starter for the Celtics. Every All-Star starter for the Celtics. I want to see, because it's got to be... Um, let's see. Hmm. I just want to know the last time they were named as starters. It doesn't show me. Okay, I guess uh, nothing wants to work for me. Last Celtic to win to be an all-star starter i just want to see like i'm gonna it's gonna have to be does it does it show me 
Okay. Hmm. It's not showing me, but uh, I'm going to guess the last time would probably be either maybe Kyrie or Isaiah Thomas. I think that's got to be the last time a starter came out of Boston. So, But uh, listen, man, I'm proud of Jason Tatum. This has been an exceptional year for him. Seems to be heavily motivated after losing the NBA Finals. I mean, he's been averaging over 30 a game. I mean, he has played terrific basketball. He's played terrific. Um, the one I'm surprised and I was shocked to not see is Joel Embiid. I was shocked that Joel Embiid did make it as a starter. I, I mean, Joel Embiid has put up great numbers. He's been arguably the best center in the league. Um, a lot of people wish Jalen Brown was there. If, if, if I'm going to consider anybody, it's Donovan Mitchell. But it's also tough because Mitchell's played great. I mean, I would cons- I, I'm fine with Donovan Mitchell. Like, I'm honestly fine with Donovan Mitchell being the starter over, over Jalen Brown. A lot of people wish it was Jalen Brown in place of Donovan Mitchell. I'm fine with that. Um, KD also kind of seems shaky because he's been injured, but it's also tough to look at this and say, in terms of, I mean, you're either going to replace, you know, KD or Giannis with with Embiid. And, I'm, and I can't replace Embiid with Giannis, and I, it, it's tough to replace KD too. I mean, realistically, like, if we rule injuries out and we're, like, being very real, you could replace KD with with uh Joel Embiid you could you you very 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 well could but um yeah I mean if you want to talk about snubs from starting lists like Jalen Brown and, and Embiid are the two and then from the west it's Shea it's Shea so anyway there it is your Eastern Conference all-star starters Kyrie Donovan Mitchell KD Jason Tatum and Giannis good to see that man so JT is an all-star starter that is how you do it here in Boston <laughs> Um, in terms of NHL news, again, not too much really going on. Apparently, Ryan Reeves passed uh, over a thousand career penalty minutes, which is eighth. He's the eighth active player to do so. Hey, that's all he does. That, that he's just like an, he's like trying to bring back the enforcer rule. But a uh, very big news for Leafs fans: Austin Matthews is apparently missing All Star Weekend. He's going to be out. He's missing the All Star game, I should say. But he's out three weeks with an sprain, even though. I mean, Mitch Marner has arguably been, been more efficient than him this season. But that's still a big loss for Toronto. I mean, every big team's lost like a big guy this year. So, But, uh, yeah, that's your, your NHL news. And then for baseball, again, it's been you know kind of a slow day in terms of baseball. Uh, we saw earlier today that the uh, Dodgers agreed to a minor league deal with Jordan Yamamoto. Yamamoto used to be freaking good, but uh, not as dominant as he was before. So, yeah, outside of that, it's been pretty quiet. It's been pretty quiet. And I, and I oh, yeah, the uh, Mets also just gave uh, Jeff McNeil a huge extension. I mean, a huge extension. Um, Jeff McNeil's been there forever, too. Four-year, $50 million extension for Jeff McNeil to stay with the Mets. So, uh, big one there. And then also the Braves uh, just signed their, their manager, Brian Snitker. To a contract extension through 2025. Even though the Braves, you know, kind of shit the bed in the ALDS. Or the NLDS, excuse me. So, uh, that's that. Uh, Rays also gave uh, Pete Fairbanks a contract extension. So, there you go. And then, uh, we did see a trade last night where the A's traded lefty Cole Irvin and righty Kyle Verbitsky to the Orioles in exchange for infielder Daryl Hernaez. And, uh, yeah. So, that is uh, basically everything that's happened around the... The NBA and the NBA MLB. So now that I'm here, now that we're sitting here, uh, of course, two days from now, we have ourselves Conference Championship Weekend. So I feel like it would just be better if I just kind of give my thoughts on this and give my my flat-out honest predictions on, on who I believe is going to be going to Super Bowl 57. 
So I want to start off with the NFC title game, because I think this is the game that, that was honestly harder to pick from, based off of how both these defenses have played, how dominant these teams have played, and how impressive they have looked. So, of course, you get the Niners and Eagles. Niners, of course, coming off the win against Dallas. Kind of an ugly win right there. Really kind of in the favor of Dak Prescott handing you that game with his turnovers, but also giving a lot of credit there to that Niners defense. And the Eagles, who have been arguably the most dominant team. They had the best record in the NFL, number one seed, hands down, blew out New York in the divisional round. Arguably the most complete team that we're looking at right now in the remaining four. Now, this is the if you talk about this from a historical perspective, it's actually the first time that they're meeting each other in the playoffs since 1996. They've only met each other once, and it was the 1996 wild card, um, which had to have been like Steve Young. That was Steve Young era. So... I'm rooting for the Niners. I hate the Eagles. I think the Eagles have one of the most disgusting, trashiest fan bases in the league. And I just I just hate this team ever since 2017. So, obviously, when I look at the Eagles, when I look at both these teams, I look at two very good defenses, right? The Niners have themselves one of the most disciplined, well-coached defenses in the league. It's the sole reason why they're here. They're here because they have one of the most dominant defenses from the last few years, and they have an offense that has functioned very well under the influence of three young quarterbacks. I mean, it's, it's honestly incredibly impressive that the Niners have gone through literally three different quarterbacks this season with Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Brock Purdy. And here they are one game away from going back to the Super Bowl. It's incredible. It's an unbelievable story. My issue is, can Brock Purdy do it? So you're going up against an Eagles team that has been absolutely incredible, right? Their defense has been dominant. They showed up against the Giants. This team means business. And I and listen, I have taken back what I said about the Eagles because I watched this team midseason and they, and they had some ugly games through the stretch, you know, heavily relying on the run game. Their defense was getting exposed. There were some sparks throughout the season where I just didn't like the Eagles. But right now they have themselves what could be an easier run to the Super Bowl than what we're looking at from the AFC. Because listen, the Giants, they were going to get exposed at some point. You stop the run there. You run all over them. That's an easy matchup right there. So, my only concern for the Niners is, can Brock Purdy do it? You've got a great Eagles defense that has had one of the most dominant pass rushes in the league. They've gotten healthier there on the pass rush side. Their secondary with C.J. Gardner-Johnson returning, Darius Slay. It is really a battle between two of the most dominant defenses that we've seen this season. But, which quarterback is going to step it up, right? You talk about the young, versatile guy that's had a great year like Jalen Hurts, who has been practically unstoppable in the RPO. On top of that, with Miles Sanders, who's been efficient, and then in the passing game, A.J. Brown. Can the Niners have a good balance of that? Can they stop and contain Jalen Hurts, stop the run, but also stop kind of the big three trio of A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, and and and, um, and Devontae Smith? I know we haven't heard Devontae Smith's name very much, you know, not very often, but uh, we haven't talked enough about the Eagles because of how much they destroyed the Giants and how the Niners are having this whole narrative of they're in this game with a 7th round rookie, and they've been able to get themselves through these games. So, I'm not so worried about the Eagles, the Niners defensively in this game, because they have proved, week in and week out, that whatever you're going to put up against them defensively, they're going to be able to handle it. Their pass rush is going to be able to handle it. But it's the other side of the ball, where we have an Eagles defense that has also proven that they can do the same thing. And, you got a young quarterback back there that has not been in a situation like this. Again, Jalen Hurts hasn't been there either. But you're talking about a 7th round rookie here that has just played the bare minimum of how you're supposed to do. Right? Brock Purdy has not played at an incredible level. He has played incredible from the perspective that we're looking at. Right? In any scenario where you see 
a mystery-relevant seventh-round quarterback jump in midseason and win these games consecutively. The man hasn't lost a game. The man has not lost a game. And you expect this guy to go into Philly, one of the toughest environments in the NFL, against a very good defense, and on the other hand, a great offense, and lead that team to the Super Bowl. It would be unbelievable at this point. And yes, there's a lot of hype towards the Niners. This team is a two-seed. This team has been dominant all season long. They turn their season around. And you give all the credit there to the coaching staff. I cannot see Brock Purdy going into Philly and doing it. I just can't. This is one of those games where you need your quarterback to do everything he can possible. And I just feel like the last two games, Seattle, you know, Dallas, you relied so heavily on your defense and the mistakes of others. And on top of that, the dominance of Chris McCaffrey to get you by. You need Brock Purdy to play like a franchise quarterback in this game. Not somebody that's throwing the ball 30 times and breaking 215 and throwing one touchdown pass. You need Brock Purdy to really step it up. This is a lot of pressure on this kid. And my God, would I love it if he does it. But personally, I am picking the Philadelphia Eagles. I believe the Eagles will be back in the Super Bowl. I just think this team has been looking great on both sides of the ball. They're back to being healthy. But I mostly look at it from the perspective of if the Niners had a suitable quarterback that could really step it up and win them these games, they would win this game. And that has been the problem for them the last five, six plus years. You know? I'm hearing, you know, reports of Jimmy Garoppolo says he, he expects to be back in the Super Bowl if they make it there. Like, what, what's going on here? You got a kid that hasn't lost the game. He's a seventh-round rookie. But if Garoppolo is ready to come back with a leg injury and they make it to the Super Bowl, he's going to play over him? Like, what is what is that? You still you have no confidence there at quarterback position. So I'm going with the Eagles. I'm going with the Eagles. I, I, I just I can't see Brock Purdy doing it in Philly. I would love to see it. I would love to be proven wrong here. I just cannot see Brock Purdy going into Philly against that defense and compete hard with an Eagles juggernaut offense. I can't see it. I can't see it. So I'm going to Eagles there. And then we have the AAC title game, which is a rematch from last year's. And there is more pressure on the Chiefs than there are on the Bengals. I know the Bengals have been very cocky. They've been a little too cocky. Right? We saw the whole Burrowhead Stadium talk. The, the mayor of Cincinnati... You know, trolling the Chiefs. Man, there's a lot of pressure on them because of how cocky they've been. But, you got a team like Kansas City that has been here five straight years. And they've only come out with one ring. That will always be an embarrassment. Right? You make to, you make it to five straight AFC title games. And you come out of that with one ring? That's pathetic. That's beyond pathetic. That's almost on the same level of being pathetic as the Buffalo Bills for being regular season champions and getting their asses kicked in the playoffs, whenever, whatever it is. So, listen, I love both. The, I think both these teams. I, this is gonna be a great game. Like, there's a reason this game is being held until 6:30, because you got two of some of the most dominant young quarterbacks in the league, of Joe Burrow and Mahomes. Now, everybody's looking at this from a historical perspective. That Joe Burrow has never lost to Mahomes. He's three and zero against him. Three and zero. They beat him earlier this year. They came back down 21-3 in the eighth title game last year. And the Bengals seem to have their number. Now, opposite effect here, Kansas City to me has looked as fraudulent as ever. And on top of that, you have a clearly handicapped Patrick Mahomes. I know Mahomes is fighting hard. This kid wants to win. This kid does not want to lose this team. I'm telling you right now, this kid does not want to lose this game. I mean, that leg injury was not pretty. That is an injury that would take out 70-90% to 90% of quarterbacks across the league. And that dude missed just about a few minutes... One drive, came out there, played his heart out, 
led his team back to the AFC title game. But outside of that, outside of Mahomes playing through a high ankle sprain, what has this Kansas City team showed you? What difference, what what has this Chiefs team shown you that gives you more of a belief now than they did last year, or the year before that, or the year before that, right? All they've done this year is barely squeak by these teams, high percentage in the red zone, and just get their high moment in the fourth quarter, right? I give some respect to their run game, right? We know that the run game's been kind of an issue for them the last few years. They found something with Isaiah Pacheco and Jerick McKinnon. But now you have to prove that on your home on your home turf against a team that has had your number. This is the kryptonite. Their t- this is their kryptonite. This is their kryptonite. Cincinnati is their kryptonite. It's the only kryptonite since probably Tom Brady. And it's tough to say Tom Brady because, you know, you only played... You know, the, the Brady-Mahomes era was kind of a two-year thing. Maybe it's more of a Brady kryptonite thing than it is a Patriots kryptonite thing. But, did they not own you in 2018? Did they not have your number in 2018? Just saying, I don't know. So, you got a Bengals team that has been playing incredibly great, right? They, they You know, they proved themselves in the wild card round. They flat out destroyed the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo in the snow. I mean, Joe Burrow was on point, you know protection has been great they've been able to run the ball well which has also been great but even more importantly is their defense is playing good good shit too their secondary has played at an incredible level and that's something that really hurt cincinnati in the super bowl and again we knew the rams were, were flat out dominant at the wide receiver position in the super bowl last year with odell and van jefferson and cooper cup but that's not gonna be the concern here the concern is gonna be this right the big concern for cincinnati is their offensive line i, I said earlier you know, you're, you're missing three starting linemen. Jonah Williams, Alex Kappa, and Lyle Collins. That is what's really going to hurt you in this game. And it's not just going to hurt Joe Burrow. It's going to hurt Joe Mixon. It's going to hurt the fluctuation of this offense. So forget about how the whole the atmosphere thing. Yeah, Arrowhead's going to be buzzing. You know, they were making fun of Arrowhead. Whatever. Jags were doing the same thing too. They were saying TIA Bank Stadium was, was louder than Arrowhead. So forget about the atmosphere portion. I am more concerned about how this offense is going to be able to function with three starting linemen being out against a pretty hot Chiefs defense. Again, I'm not scared of this Chiefs defense. I don't think this Chiefs defense is anything incredibly intimidating. The only two intimidating defenses that we're watching right now are playing in the NFC Championship game, not in this game right here. I'm looking at the fact that Cincinnati has played very well against this team the last year and a half. They have shredded the secondary. They've been able to run the ball hard, but more especially, they have given Mahomes a fit. The frustration that you've seen from Mahomes against this defense is incredible right? They do a great job covering Kelsey in the slot. Their pass rush has been great this year, and they make Mahomes throw the ball. They make them play the tough way. So who do I think is coming out of this game? I believe the Cincinnati Bengals are coming out of this game. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe we are getting a Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl. That is my prediction. I believe we're getting a Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl. I don't think a lot of people have that on their radar. It's not a crazy prediction, but I think we're getting a Bengals-Eagles Super Bowl right now. Sunday, whatever you want to call it. I just think Cincinnati has played at a great level. They have found their rhythm. This team seems to be the most complete team that we're watching right now in the conference championship. In terms of the productivity offensively, coaching-wise, defensively, this Bengals team gives me more confidence. And if they can get through this game and get somewhat more healthier at the O-line position in the Super Bowl, you may give them their first ever ring. Who knows? But those are my predictions. Give me Cincy and give me Philly this week. Again, I would rather see the Niners win. 
But what I want to see is a Bengals Niners Super Bowl. But I think we're going to see a Bengals Eagles Super Bowl. That is my, you know, bold prediction, I guess, if you want to call it that. <laughs> anyway, that is uh, all I've got for today. That's all I got for today, man. Tough one for the B's and C's last night. And uh, yeah, man, I'm Arn Royan, and peace out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.